You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How it goes? It's Friday. You're supposed to hoot and holler there, Jake. Well, I'm still just kind of shaking my head at you. Because, oh, brother. I mean, you have to get me started so early yeah, in the morning. That's what I do. Okay, let's ask. Stir the pot. A let's bit. ask the people before we get into anything. If Johnny Menzel was in, we're West gonna Bay. lead with Johnny Menzel yes, with everything that's taking place. We're gonna, you're I gonna just go want to ask Johnny the Manziel. people. I just want them to settle this. If Johnny Menzel uh-huh. was in West Monroe's Walmart, uh-huh. literally no one would recognize him, unless he was wearing a Texas A&M uh, shirt. Aaron, you you don't know how popular this well, guy is. The reason we started this conversation, we we're talking about pro day, and of course, I, I actually spent a minute or two watching Johnny Menzel throw some footballs at San Diego's pro day. Uh, two receivers there asked him to be a part of it. Now it's the Johnny Manziel show with three NFL teams showing up, which may have been there in the first place to see the two other guys. And I told him, I read a quote about Johnny Manziel, and he's just living his life with his wife and his two dogs in L.A. And I said, L.A. is a good spot for him. I bet he goes unrecognized in L.A. He just <sighs> walks around, and, you know, five foot eleven, five foot ten guy. Who's going to recognize Johnny Manziel? And Jake said, well, all those tattoos, he'd be hard to... You know, he'd stand out. I said, not in L.A. <laughs> and I said he could literally walk through Walmart around here, covered up. If he wasn't wearing a Texas A&M shirt or a jersey. His face, it, people know his face. He's a marketable player. You said I tuned in. To, like, you're the only person who tuned in to watch his pro day. I bet other people. No, I'm not the only person. But I'm just saying that's why I, I'm still intrigued by I'm, him. That's, so that's why I clicked on I'm, it. I'm saying that's my whole point. I'm saying I'm sure other people tuned in to watch his pro day, too, because they are interested in Johnny Manziel. And Sherman, thank you. Most sports fans would recognize In the right atmosphere or in the right surroundings. If you're just him, in the middle of nowhere, if, if you're at Circle K and you just pull in there and he's in there getting a, a Slurpee, you would not recognize him. I, I, I would definitely recognize him. I guarantee you most of our listeners would recognize him. How am I right? How am I wrong, John Tabor? Well, if you're in Los Angeles, I agree with you. He'd probably go unnoticed. If you're in our L.A., in West Monroe, Walmart, guaranteed, he, he gets a crowd. All right. Guaranteed. All right. I'm not talking about setting up a booth or something. And no, 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 no. Selling autographs for a dollar. If he walked into a convenience store, somebody in there, say there's, including two clerks, ten people in that store, somebody notices him. Mm. Okay. Wow. Here, here's, here's something for you. We were getting a car in Vegas, mm-hmm. and while we were rent, getting our rental car, Josh Hamilton was in there. This was like two years ago. We all recognized him mm-hmm. and talked to him. Josh Hamilton, I think, I would argue, is less known than Johnny Menzel. Uh, uh, Sherman, uh, well played. His mugshot has helped him be recognized by just his face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's beside the point. <laughs> 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. Go ahead and weigh in. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. That's where Jake takes us as we start this Friday morning. I, I mean, you just love to get me going early. <laughs> Go ahead. Take it away. Right, how about some March Madness from last night? Now, how about this Elite Eight matchup that we have? If there's anybody out there that had this on their bracket, of course, 
They're liars. Of course they're liars. <laughs> yeah. Um, last night went it, – it was not – it did not go as predicted, okay. which you could say about the whole tournament. Uh, first of all, Loyola, Chicago, yes. they're the major story. Mm-hmm. That Cinderella story continues. Marcus Towns hit that clutch three-pointer to, to, to put them up by four. And that was a fun game to watch. It was really fun. Um, and then, of course, you know – they had, they had a chance. Nevada had a chance. They tried to foul. and I uh, just didn't have enough time. But a uh, really good game for Loyola Chicago. Sister Jean continues to be the story of March Madness. We had Manziel for fatigue. Are you getting Sister Jean fatigue by this point? Uh, no. I, I still like it. Um, although I, I'm not so sure she should continue to get these big-time interviews. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like it's it's a cool story. Like, I like yeah, it. I'm not going yeah. to, you know, poo-poo it. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, poo-poo it. I like that. But it's <laughs> but it's uh, it's starting to get a little tired. I'll say that. You think it's going to her head? No, no, no. I'm not talking oh. for her. I'm oh. just saying, like, the media constantly yeah. putting her in. in, in her interviews, front. though, she's long-winded. They she's have, good. They have to cut her off eventually. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's she's got some charisma. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, but. I thought I thought it was funny. I thought it was fine for this one because she said going into this game that she had Loyola Chicago getting into the Sweet 16 and then losing, mm-hmm. and of course Loyola ruined her bracket. Hmm. They busted her bracket. That's right. All right. So now we have this matchup. It'll be the first time uh, ever where we'll have a number nine versus a number eleven in an Elite Eight showdown. Everybody thought as this kind of played out that hey, Kentucky's just got this free ride now right. to the Final Four. And then, of course, uh, Calipari's remarks uh, this past week is, you know, we can't we can't get caught in the poison. You know, everybody's patting us on the back. Well, did they get caught in the poison last night, or perhaps it was just a, a big performance by Kansas State, or at least they were grittier than Kentucky to win 61-58. Kind of a sloppy game. Kansas State scored 24 points off turnovers. I'm glad you said they were grittier. And I will say, you know, I watched Calipari's uh, interview before the game. And he was talking about how greedy Kansas State was. And that's what he expected. And, listen, they, they mucked it up, and they made the most of it. Uh, Kentucky missed some some, uh, some pretty good looks down the stretch and three-pointers that um, you know would have tied the game at, at 61. But, unfortunately, didn't go their way. And then, Aaron, after the game, they turned and walked off the court. Mm, they did yeah. not shake the hands of Kansas State players, which rubbed them the wrong way. Should that come as a huge surprise? Yeah, kind of. Well, the Kentucky players that have been pampered a majority of their life, if not all their life, and then, of course, they lose a huge ball game that they were expected to win, and they're sore losers. I mean, you still got to shake the hands. Uh, I agree. They need to shake their hands, but the fact that they didn't doesn't come as a huge I think I think more often than not, you see players shake their hands. Mm. I'm just saying, like, no matter if it's Duke, Kentucky, whatever, they still usually shake hands. Mm. Uh, Those two games were certainly uh, entertaining, or at least came down to the wire. The other two did not. How about Michigan? They jumped on Texas A&M early, and they rolled to an easy victory. Michigan, the hottest team in America right now, uh, they just did what they did. They, they overwhelmed folks. And I thought A&M might stand a chance if they could slow it down and use their size advantage, kind of like they did against North Carolina. But Michigan, like I said, overwhelmed them, got 12 steals, and made 62% of their field goals. I mean, they just seem to be unstoppable at this point. Mm. Uh, Florida State uh, takes care of business versus Gonzaga. What do we make of this Seminole squad as they are now in the Elite Eight? So now you're going to either have Michigan 
Florida State, Loyola, Chicago, or Kansas State in Final Four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about that? I'll say this about Florida State. Not in the Final Four. One of those will be in the national championship game. Yes, yes. Two of them in the Final Four, yeah. one in the national championship game. Uh, Florida State, though, they were a team that I, I kind of circled in the beginning. I thought they would get past Missouri, and I, I pred- predicted they would beat Xavier. The reason for that is because this team is unpredictable, but when they're on, they've beaten some of the best in the country, like Clemson, Miami, Syracuse, North Carolina, Florida. I mean, they've got some really big wins on their resume, so it shouldn't shock people that this team is good enough to, to beat a Gonzaga. It should shock people that they're stringing along these consecutive victories. The story has come along this far. How can you not root for Loyola Chicago at this point to get to the Final Four? I think we all are. Or to win the darn thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to see – because we've seen this – you know, we talked about it yesterday. George Mason, the number 11 seed, making it to the Final Four. We've seen that story play mm-hmm. out before. I want to see them go all the way and win the national title. Uh, other headlines, and we'll move over to NBA. The Pels, how do they continue to get it done? You talk about being gritty. Another gritty performance for them Five games in, what, six nights, third consecutive night, and they once again figure out a way to win this thing in the fourth quarter versus the Lakers. Yeah, they defeated the Lakers, and I'll tell you, in games decided by five points or fewer, the Pelicans are 16-5 and five this year. So this group is gritty. They are a bunch of fighters, and I've got some good quotes. Anthony Davis, the one quote that stood out the most to me, mentally tough yeah. is how he referenced his squad. Yeah, absolutely. Let me let me read this first from Alvin Gentry, and then I'll get to Davis. Alvin Gentry after the game. This is according to Nola.com. I am freaking exhausted. I swear to God I am. I can't imagine what they, talking about his players, are. Mm. Um, he says, they bought into the lie. You can't be tired. No excuses. Just pretend we played yesterday, and it's the second game of a back-to-back. And then Anthony Davis says, I've never been this tired before, but mm. Coach Gentry told us before the game, no excuses. This game was definitely mentally draining, but we showed how mentally tough we are. And they hold the Lakers to just 17 fourth-quarter points. Big win once again for the Pels. Other headlines, we had some baseball yesterday. Two huge matchups in the high school ranks. West Monroe wins a thriller versus Ruston 4-3. to They won a thriller 4-3, to and Neville won a squeaker against West Washington 7 Two five. We'll have a lot more on both of those games later on in the show. Uh, other headlines. Oh, I love spring football oh. scrimmage, and then the statistics that are supplied to you from Ed Orgeron, and of course the LSU Sports Information Department. Okay, this is what I complained about, or, or like two weeks ago, and people were hating on me. Well, how can you be tired of football? How can you be tired of speculating? Because this is the stuff we, we we're going to be talking about. So Miles Brennan tore it up. He was twelve of sixteen for two hundred twenty four <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Along of 80, Justin McMillan, 7 of 15 for 169 yards, one touchdown, along of 75, Loyal Narcisse. Ooh, he's falling behind in the competition, Uh-oh. according to my sources, or at least by these stats. He was 6 of 14, 38 yards, along of 15 yards. But look out for Racy McMath. He had six receptions for 169 yards and one touchdown. LSU's offense is back on track. Not even your broadcast voice could sell me on that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Barry Smith math, though, that is some impressive numbers. Although, you know, they didn't have, you know, the guy. Uh, They didn't have Jonathan Giles. But still, uh, Barry Smith math, seeing him produce, that's good to see. And Justin Jefferson, he had four receptions for 54 yards. I know, 
you know, a lot of it's coach speak. But when you when you find out from the players, a lot of the players have been pumping him up, saying that he's going to be a really good player for LSU. So that's a name to 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 remember down the road. Nick Brissett is going to smash the uh, rushing touchdown record next year because he is off to a fast start. He scored five touchdowns in the spring scrimmage yesterday. Mostly uh, of it coming from the goal line situation. I get so if you listen to what Ed Orgeron says about the running backs, I just get this feeling that he doesn't love Brissett. Like uh-huh. he continues to pump up. Like he says he's good in goal line situations, but he continues to pump up Clyde edwards Hilaire saying that he he had some explosive runs. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to be the starter, not Brissett. Uh, pro days continue. They wrapped up at Louisiana Tech in Grambling yesterday. We got uh, plenty of sound from the likes of Devontae Kincaid, Martez Carter, also Skip Holtz. Skip Holtz did not run the 40 last yesterday, if you're curious. Uh, also, uh, other news and notes. Did I miss anything, Jake? I mean, we got some baseball to preview, but we're running out of time. We'll get to that later. Uh, it's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Painkiller. Ben Carlisle from Bleed Tech Blue will join us at 7.15. Coming up at 7.45, excited about this, uh, the new uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation CEO, Ronnie Rance, will join us. Big event coming up at Bayou de Seard, uh, April 4th, I believe. An evening with David Toms, an opportunity to hang out with the uh, professional golfer, of course, who's made a huge name for himself. An evening with David Toms, we'll have a little bit of a preview from Ronnie Rance. I'm sure we'll talk a little uh LSU baseball with him also coming up at 8.30. Corey Diaz from the New Star will join us. He'll give us the rundown from Pro Day and his perspective from Louisiana Tech and Grambling. Joey Trappe will join us for his weekly visit at 8.45. And you want to play the movie review game again? You take the movies that are currently at the box office and you tell them – it's a, you make it as if they are about sports. So you take current sports events – and you use the title of these movies to tell a story. If Johnny Manziel walked into your store today, would you recognize him immediately? I say this also because this came up this week when I uh, brought back some of that old footage of Carl Malone and we had it airing. And I'm telling you this, in our news department, somebody said, there was more than one person that said, is Carl Malone the guy they're having the problems with with the road up in Union Parish? No, there's no way. That is why I'm saying not everybody's hooked in. They are on this station, but in the sports world. I have then had to try to explain who Carl Malone was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I figured you, you would after that question. That just, that that uh, dampers my day. <laughs> Listen, I got to say this. I, I have faith that more people would know who Johnny Manziel is than you do. Guarantee you he doesn't go through West Monroe's Walmart unnoticed. Guaranteed. 888-993-7762. We are off and running on this Friday morning. Man, Jake is agitated this morning. You just don't give people enough credit. <laughs> you tried. You just tried to say that if Terry Bradshaw walked through, people wouldn't recognize him. Oh, no, I him. said people would recognize Terry Bradshaw immediately. But okay. that has a lot of other factors involved. And, but I said, you know, throw in a, a Burt Jones, the Rustin, Rustin Rifle, if he walks in. I don't know how many people would recognize him. And then I went Archie Manning with you. If Archie bumped into Archie Manning, I'm not sure you would recognize him immediately. Yes, I would definitely recognize Archie immediately. Uh, we bring in Ben Carlisle from uh, Bleed Tech Blue to answer a lot of different questions and also involve him in our nonsense. So, Ben, let me ask you this. What do you think if Johnny Manziel walked in uh, uh, the West Monroe or Rustin Walmart? How, uh, how soon would it take for him to get recognized? Yeah, I know if I was in that Rustin Walmart, I would definitely recognize him. As far as the general population, I have to imagine – 
um, just with you know how nationally known he is, I think that he'd be recognized. Thank you, Ben. Maybe I'm in the minority. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana Tech baseball team now getting nationally recognized for what they've accomplished. Broad picture now, Ben. You look at what the dogs have done with this, what, uh, winning 12 of the last 14. Can you put into words how impressive a run this has been for them? It, it has. It's been an extremely impressive year to this point. 17-6 and six overall, 3-0 and in conference play. Uh, I can definitely say I didn't expect this. Before the season, I really thought if Tech could really get to that 30-win plateau, uh, finish somewhere in the middle of the pack in the conference, I thought that'd be a successful season. But uh, with how they've played, really going all the way back to the Frisco Classic, you know, upsetting Texas A&M, uh, beating a quality California team, and really just keeping that momentum going uh, all the way up until this week, you know, knocking off Rice last weekend, I, I really think that this team can compete for a conference championship and I'm not saying they're going to win it. I think Southern Miss and FAU are probably the two clear-cut teams uh, that will be, you know, the one and two spots. But Tech has the talent. Uh, they have the depth and talent on the mound to really uh, make some noise in the league. And who knows, they might end up in a regional again in 2018. All right, Ben, uh, you certainly uh, crunched some of the statistics. And you look what this pitching staff has done so far this year. What's the one number or two that impresses you the most? Oh, I think it's the the team ERA for one, and then the starting pitchers ERA. I think when you look at the weekend guys between Matt Miller, Logan Robbins, and Logan Bailey, I think they have a 1.69 ERA, team ERA a 1.93, which ranks second in the country. It's just unheard of. And then you look at what David Leal and Tyler Fallis are doing in the middle of the week. It's just unheard of. And you you see so many times a lot of teams in the middle of the week want to give you know, some of those bullpen guys, some innings just to keep them fresh. But Coach Burroughs has a good, a good problem on his hands that, you know, Leal and Fallis continue to put up zero after zero after zero in the midweek. So it's difficult to get a whole lot of guys some time on the mound. And so I've just been really, really impressed with this pitching staff. And I hope they can keep it going. But part of me really expects, you know, they're going to regress to some degree. And that's when the offense is going to have to step up. And, they, and they've done that over the past couple of weeks. But It'll be interesting to see how things shake out, but the pitching staff, especially from a team ERA perspective, has been uh, what's impressed me the most to this point. At the beginning of the year, remember Lane Burrell's talking about this pitching staff. There were a lot of different question marks. At what point did you see a difference, or perhaps they knew they had something special in the staff as a whole? Well, I think when you look at the staff as a whole, you know, Burrell's talked about a lot how he thought the strength of the team was in the bullpen, and you know, for me, that means he believes that he has 11 or 12 guys that he can go to uh, that he trusts to get out. So I know he talked about, a lot about having strikeout guys down in the bullpen, which he didn't have a year ago. But when you look at the starting pitchers, they're not the most overly uh, physical, imposing pitchers. You know, they're all 5'10", 5'11". Uh, they're not going to throw 95, 96 miles an hour, but they're going to compete. They're not going to walk guys. And when you play college baseball and you make teams earn it and get hits, uh, that's probably uh, going to put, you know, an extreme amount of pressure on opposing offense. I think Tech's walk, uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio is like fifth in the country, and that goes a long way in just making teams earn it. And so that's what I've been, you know, harping on is this staff, now that they've established this momentum, they have so much confidence, and they believe that they're going to do it week in and week out. And then you look at, you know, starting tonight with UAB, a team that's hitting only 233 overall, 
Uh, you have to imagine those guys are just salivating over the opportunity to get a shot at the Blazers this weekend. Ben Carlisle from Bleed Tech Blue joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Ben, from a guy who played at Louisiana Tech, and, of course, a lot of those years you didn't play in front of huge crowds, uh, how sweet is it now to see Bulldog fans coming out and supporting this team and the numbers that they continue to produce at the turnstiles? Oh, it's awesome. And we talked about this with Sean on his show yesterday. You know, when Louisiana Tech wins in baseball, the community shows up. There's no secret. Uh, the Ruston, West Monroe, Monroe area supports a, a good quality baseball team. And it's nice mm-hmm. to see. Uh, you look at 2,000 fans Saturday at the Rice game. I think Tech ranks 38th in attendance in the country right now. Um, it's proven. You know, we saw it a couple of years ago in 2016 when Rice came to town for that last weekend series of the year. There were just huge crowds out at J.C. Love Field. And I think, you know, the more Tech continues to win, the more uh, people are going to show up. And it's just been a, a nice sight to see. I was particularly impressed. I think it was the Friday night game against Rice. Left field was just absolutely packed with fans all over the place and usually they're just in right field so seeing huge crowds getting behind these players i know the players love seeing it and it certainly makes it a great atmosphere for college baseball uh spring football continues to roll along i know you've been out there checking them out uh any major takeaways or observations starting on the offensive side well i mean i think the progression of jamar smith is very evident from the fall into the spring he had a little minor offseason uh, knee procedure done, so he hasn't had the opportunity to get out and throw with his receivers a bunch, but from a mental standpoint, it's obvious that uh, he's a lot more comfortable. Uh, he knows where to go with the football, and that's something that's been blatantly obvious to me. And it, you know you know how spring football is. The previous year, seniors are gone. You have a lot of walk-ons running around out there, so everything's not you know neat and tidy and beautiful with everything going on, but uh, offensively, Jamar Smith has been extremely impressive from the quarterback position. I know uh, that's something that Bulldog fans are uh, glad to hear. Defensive side of the ball, everybody, of course, is looking at him meek, and he's certainly carrying himself with a swagger. He did that last year as a freshman. Other players that certainly are standing out or flying, maybe perhaps under the radar. Uh, Meek's been sensational. He's just learning how to play in the cornerback position. We saw what he did last year, you know, freshman All-American. Then they hired Jeff Burris to be the cornerback coach, 10-year NFL veteran. I think he was the perfect hire for this crop of cornerbacks. And I've been especially impressed with uh, James Jackson out of Haynesville High School. Uh, mm. He'll be a redshirt junior in 2018. It's really you know his time to step on the field and uh, contribute to this Bulldog defense. He's had an extremely impressive spring uh, flying around. He's playing that star position for Tech, which is really a uh, a glorified safety that plays down in the box like a linebacker, and he's uh, so strong. We know what those Jackson kids are like out of Haynesville, and he's been really impressive, and I think we're going to see some big things out of him uh, come this fall. All right, uh, Ben, I know you didn't have an opportunity to make it out to Pro Day, but just overall, one of the guys that certainly stood out at the end was Jonathan Barnes. He did not have the senior campaign that he had hoped for, perhaps Louisiana Tech fans had wished for. Could you see perhaps an opportunity for him with that big leg to kind of get his way into some camp and turn some heads? Oh, absolutely. I think when you are a kicker uh, at the collegiate level, it's obviously very difficult to break break into the pros, whether it's kicker or punter. But uh, like you said, Barnes was, you know, I think he's the most accurate kicker in Louisiana Tech history. Uh, like you said, he has a big leg. I think he uh, sent one through the uprights on a kickoff yesterday that I saw. So, 
he's clearly got the leg to play professionally. It's just a matter of getting into a camp and getting into the right situation. Uh, we see it so many times where kickers will get let go just because their salary gets a little high. So, yeah, I think he'll definitely have the opportunity uh, to perhaps get into a fall camp, a little OTA-type thing where uh, rookie mini camp, uh, get an opportunity to showcase his abilities. And with 21 teams uh, being in attendance yesterday, it certainly didn't hurt his chances with the great performance that he put on. And listen, I, and I was telling Jake this before the show, the fact that over 20 teams once again making their way out to Grambling, Louisiana Tech, I think it is once again showing the progression of both of these programs as NFL executives, coaches, and, of course, scouts are taking notice. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, when you look at Tech's team, I don't think there's a clear-cut player on the team that, you know, a no-doubt draft pick like a year ago when you had the likes of Trent Taylor, Carlos Henderson. But, like you said, they put Tech's put so many players in the pros, you know, undrafted players like Kentrell Bryce, uh, that have made their mark in the league. So they're going to continue to attract a lot of NFL teams. I think we'll see, you know, not only Jonathan Barnes, but potentially a Cedric Cooper. Uh, I know Deldrick Canty had a pretty good day yesterday. And then, of course, Boston Scott. Uh, surely he'll find his way into a camp. And once you get into camp, uh, if you make a name for yourself, you can potentially find yourself onto the 53-man roster. All right, Ben Carlisle from Blue Tech Blue. Before we uh, wrap this thing up, bring it up full circle. What do you expect from the Diamond Dogs on the road this weekend versus UAB? You know, I'm hoping that they can go on the road and pick up a weekend series win at UAB. It's a UAB team that was tricked 11th out of 12 teams in conference USA. So it's a team that, uh, especially with how Tech's been playing lately, like you mentioned, winning 12 out of their last 14. I know they expect to win, and they should take the series. Obviously, anytime you go on the road, you don't expect two sweeps. So I think taking two out of three is what I expect, and uh, – that put Tech at 5-1 and one overall in conference play uh, before going on the road next week to McNeese in the midweek and then FIU travels to Ruston. So I think if Tech does go on the road, pick up two wins at UAB, it'll be 19-7 and seven overall, 5-1 and one in league play. Who knows, we might see them in the top 25 next week. Hmm. All right, and one final thing. Uh, news coming down yesterday, former Louisiana Tech assistant basketball coach Dusty May named a new head coach at Florida Atlantic. He was well thought of around these parts, and of course, was up for the job for uh, when Eric Conco got it. Uh, just knowing him, you got to be happy for him. you got to feel like he's going to make uh, some uh, major headway there at Florida Atlantic. Oh, absolutely. He's been on Mike White's staff for, I think, eight years. And we saw what Mike White did in Russ. I know Mike uh, speaks highly of him. And uh, newly hired FAU athletic director Brian White, who is actually Mike White's brother, is who hired him at Florida Atlantic. When you look at what they're doing down there at Florida Atlantic with what Lane Kiffin's doing in football, uh, what the baseball program's doing down there. You know, really basketball's the missing uh, piece, you know, from having a total athletics program. I think Dusty's going to do a good job down there. And uh, we'll, we'll see. I know it's a program that's been really, really down for the past few years, but I think he'll do a great job down there. He was obviously a high-quality assistant while he was here in Ruston. Ben, what do people need to do? What do listeners need to do if they want more information from Bleed Tech Bleed? Yeah, you can join us at BleedTechBlue.com. Uh, right now we're running a 100-day free trial. You can use the promo code BCD100. Uh, you know, we're covering spring practice daily. We have reports out each and every day. Uh, obviously, we're covering Louisiana Tech baseball as they uh, get into the meat of their conference schedule. So join us at BleedTechBlue.com. Thanks, bud. Ben Carlisle from Blue Tech Blue. Is your head hurting over there, Jake? 
No. What's up? Oh, you're shaking up and down when he's talking about a. Oh, well, you know. He, he, Lane Kiffin's game it. comes up, and all of a sudden, Jake's head is just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave yeah, a yeah. shout out to my guy, you know, so. You're going to hit it on the it, table it isn't, there. It isn't the morning drive if there isn't a mention of <laughs> Lane Kiffin, so I'm glad we've, we reached that tally today. 888 <laughs> Lane Kiffin, I think, would get recognized. He walked through Walmart, it wasn't it? Lane Kiffin? Yeah. yeah. More, you think he's more recognizable than Johnny Manziel? I don't Manziel? know about that. Man, that might be pushing. Okay, so your logic just doesn't yeah. make sense. Doesn't make sense, Aaron, but hey, we're used to It'll it. It'll be the first time. 888-993-7762. Coming up next, we'll talk a little uh, high school baseball at 745. We look forward to hearing from uh, former LSU pitcher Ronnie Rance. He's now the CEO of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation. Big event coming up in Monroe in a couple weeks, an evening with David Toms. That's coming up at 745. We'll talk a little baseball coming up next. Welcome back to the show. Hit us up, 888-993-7762, like Ron did. He says, good morning. I have a suggestion since Jake is a contributor on Dandy Don. We need a weekly segment on LSU football. Call it Jake's Football News. That would be a very generic title, but, yeah, it could be a working title. That would be a great title. Yeah, (laughs) people would be thrilled for that. We can have a little sounder. Here comes Jake's football news. Yeah, yeah, that's a winner. And then he could just spew out uh, Matt Canada statistics for us. Yes. Oh, no. No, no, we could just <laughs> talk about Matt Canada. Oh, by the way, I'm a little worried. Uh, our guy, uh, Rashard Lawrence, he might be in uh, Ed Orgeron's doghouse. How come? He brought up Canada's name. He said Canada's oh, name last week. He said, you know, when LSU's defense shut out LSU's offense in a scrimmage last week. He said, this is something we were not able to do last year against Canada's offense. Yeah, well. I was yeah. like, oh, oh. <laughs> I think Richard would have to do a lot of things to get in Ed Orgeron's doghouse. Yeah, I was about to say, he loves Richard. Yes, and rightfully so. And by the way, if you're into these spring football scrimmage statistics, uh, Richard, good news. he had, uh, what, five tackles yesterday. Five tackles. Neil Farrell had ten tackles. Yeah. A couple of sacks. So. Yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, where the co- head coach gives you statistics. That's kind of a preview of what you'll see in the fall with Jake's football news right there. Yeah, oh, this is going to be a great segment. <laughs> All right. Uh, high school baseball, we had uh, two huge mega matchups last night on the diamond. First of all, uh, Rustin versus uh, West Monroe. A little bit of an odd game, would you call it, Jake? Just Ooh. considering how it started with Chase Dejan uh, basically lights out early perfect. on in that ball game. Literally perfect yeah. through four innings. And then ran into some trouble in the fifth inning. They get out to a one to nothing lead and uh, chase Dejan with an RBI that gets them in front early on. And then Rustin's bats come to life in the fifth inning. Yeah, so Rustin only had four hits in this game. They had all four hits in that fifth inning. And it was three doubles. Um, Hain- Graham Haynes was actually the one who hit a two RBI double uh, that put them up three to one. And so... You know, Dejan, Wade Semino comes out and talks to Dejan, and he settles down and, and gets out of the inning. And then the bottom of the fifth inning, West Monroe's bats come alive, and they get the hit and run working perfectly, by the way. It worked perfectly on a West Tatum uh, RBI, and Tom Biggs had a big RBI triple in that inning. So ultimately, West Monroe went up 4-3, to three, and then Dejan comes back out, and it was like the Dejan from the first four innings. I mean, he was just dominant. That that curveball, that breaking ball, was working so well for him, and uh, he ends up striking out seven. I mean, nine batters in that victory last night. Once again, though, it does illustrate baseball is such a strange game. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a couple hits there by uh, 
West Monroe. It's not like they got a lot of the bat on the ball, but just enough to find the right spots in Rustin's defense. Yeah, just enough. Biggs was two for three last night, and Dejan was three for three. Mm-hmm. Kent Berry was also two for three for the Rebels as well. Uh, we had a chance to catch up with uh, Wade Seminole, West Monroe's head coach, after the game. Here's Wade on the four to three victory over the Bearcats. Oh, every win is big. You know, our game against Benton the other night was a big one. Starting district, it's always good to get off on a, a good step, and, uh, you know, Chase stepped up and had a good outing tonight. It almost appeared Chase got stronger as the game got went on. Well, I think any pitcher gets stronger when you get some offensive production, and we found a new, a new fight in us over the past tournament that we played in. You know, we struggled in our first couple of tournaments. We got a whole new lineup, and these kids are starting to come together. We played good, sound defense, I thought. I thought Chase pounded the zone all night, and uh, our hitters came through when we had to. Does dynamic change a little bit now that you have a two-game series instead of a three, and now you play on Saturday against the Bearcats? Well, it it, it changes, but uh, I don't know if it helps us, hurts us, whatever. We're going one game at a time, and uh, you know I like the three-game series and because it's less games that you got to try to schedule during the course of the season. But uh, we're going to play the two-game series and roll with it and go to Rustin on Saturday. What'd you tell the guys after this win? Well, I thought it all starts on the mound. When you got a guy that's on the mound, and same thing for Russell. Their kid pitched fantastic, and he's a three-pitch guy that's hard to hit. But uh, it all starts on that mound, and if our starting pitcher gives us a chance to win, we're going to take over offensively. After he gave up the three doubles and you met with him, did you have any thought of taking him out at that point? I went I went out there, no. I wasn't going to take him out, but I went out there. I said, I'm tired of seeing them row the boat at second. They kept rowing the boat at second. I said, how many guys are you going to let row that boat? You know, I said, yeah, attack this next guy. Those, that's over. We're going to come back and score you some runs. Oh, local media there grilling Wade Simino with questions after the 4-3 victory. Yeah, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Graham Haynes did have a really strong outing uh, for, for Rustin. And this was one of those games where it, it felt like both pitchers had a date after the game. They were quick between pitches. I mean, that game was over in about an hour and a half, a very quick game. It did feel odd walking out of there, and it's literally still it's light out. It's yes. 7:35, so it was cool. Yeah, they got an opportunity to go back and watch a little hoops. That's right, not bad. The other huge matchup last night in high school baseball featured Neville versus West Washita. This is a three-game series. This was the first, and of course, it was out at West Washita. Yeah, and Neville has had a lot of dramatic games recently. I mean, you go back to uh, the game against Ruston earlier this week, which was. Uh, you know, an extra inning ball game. You go back to uh, Connor Wiley's Grand Slam walk-off uh, a couple of games before that. And then you, you go to last night where it's West Washtenaw versus Neville. It's a huge district showdown. Uh, we think both teams are much better than their record implicates. And this went right down to the wire. West Washtenaw actually led 5-4 to four heading into the seventh. And Neville plates three runs to win this game 7-5. to five. And not only... Do they get those three runs in the seventh? But it shows you how badly, you know, Neville needed to win this one. They, they threw Cole Clary. Uh, they started him, and he pitched through six innings. After they get that lead, Paul Grario looks at Luke Cagle, one of their stars, and says, get out there. Go get this save. And Luke Cagle does. He gets out there and uh, secures the win for, for Neville. And I, I thought that was a, a big win for Neville. Um, you know, it's a three-game series, so, you know, you still got to win two more. But – Heck of a start for, for the Neville Tigers. Series uh, resumes uh, tonight at Embonado Field, Neville versus West Washtenaw. Yeah, and it was a lot of hits in this one, too. Neville had nine hits. 
uh, Luke Honeycutt pitched for West Washita, um and Neville, you know, Michael Haynes had went, went two for four, and John Cassio had a double and a triple in this one. And then you look at West Washita, and they played at 13 hits. Connor Jones was four for five, and uh, Peyton Parkers and Caden Meeks had doubles for West Washita in that loss. College baseball this weekend, we got LSU versus Vandy, Louisiana Tech taking that trip to UAB, Grambling versus Kennesaw State, and ULM, the Warhawks, certainly glad to be back at home. They'll be squaring off against Arkansas State and the Red Wolves this weekend. We'll have a little bit more college baseball news and notes coming up later in the show. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation CEO, Ronnie Rance, joins us next. You can hit us up on the text line at 888-993-7762. Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Back after this. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fine job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. We've known Ronnie Rance as a pitcher for LSU in the early 90s on those national championship squads then later for his broadcasting work. Now he's got a fancy new title as Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation CEO. Ronnie Rance joins us in the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. How are you doing this morning, bud? Doing great. Uh, before we, of course, get to uh, the, the big event that's heading to Monroe here in a couple of weeks, uh, what's the new gig like? How's it, how's it working out for you? It's been great. It's been over, uh, over a year and a half now as uh, President and CEO of Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation. And, of course, uh, it's a fun gig because it's stuff I love. It's Louisiana. It's uh, dealing with the greatest that have ever done it in whatever sport they are from the state of Louisiana. So it's kind of a dream come true position. And, Ronnie, I think there's still some people that have yet to visit the Hall of Fame, and it is just an impressive venue and building. Is there anything that still amazes you about something that you see in there or something that you come across on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis? Yeah, I mean, one, first off, I mean, the building itself is literally an award-winning architectural marvel. Uh, It opened in 2013 in Natchitoches, right on the banks of the Cane River, and uh, has won all kind of international uh, architectural awards. So that in itself, it's uh, well worth the trip and the exploration. And then as far as, you know, the the items and all the different Hall of Fame memorabilia and, and artifacts that are in there, and we change out, you know, some every year. Uh, it, it's one of those things that every time you kind of go through and you read and you look, you know, something catches your eye each and every time. And, I mean, they've got uh, the, the Louisiana Amateur golf uh, uh, trophy is probably the most impressive uh, trophy I've ever seen. It's really neat. It goes back over 100 years, and it's it's a replica of the state capitol in Baton Rouge on this big, giant, you know, wooden uh, 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 you know, block, and, and it's got all the names of all the people that have won the award over the years. That, that in itself, you can spend five minutes, you know, just kind of you know, investigating it and checking it out. So there's a lot of neat things to see. Uh, it's open Tuesday through Saturday in Natchitoches from 10 until 4.30, right on the banks of the Cane River. It's well worth the trip. I'm just curious. I guess you're always on the lookout for nicks or knacks or things that tell the history of Louisiana sports? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there's a warehouse in the, the, the museum is part of the Louisiana you know, Museum System, uh, which is, oversees uh, about eight or nine museums around the state. Uh, and there's in New Orleans, there's an actual, you know, storage unit, if you will, uh, not like the one you and I have with all our stuff piled in it, you know, from, <laughs> you know, type of storage unit. This one is, uh, you know, air conditioned. Everything is 
is labeled and checked in, and there's a, there's a whole uh, system of how uh, they keep the artifacts. But, I mean, there's a lot lot more um, sports things that are not in the museum than actually are. And so the challenge is to constantly rotate them out and, you know, how do you prioritize what gets seen in the museum and what doesn't. But, uh, yeah, as we induct Hall of Famers each and every year, we acquire some some artifacts and memorabilia. And, you know, some will return to the to the Hall of Famer once the year is complete because they'll display some of it in the museum and then some will go back to them, but then the rest will stay uh, with the, the Louisiana museum system. Ronnie, continue to work on getting the name out with Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. And, of course, you guys have events throughout the year, and you got a cool one coming up here in Monroe in a few weeks. Talk to us a little bit about an evening with David Toms. Yeah, this is really neat. You know, of course, David's from the Port City over in Shreveport, but uh, a short drive, he's coming over on Thursday, April the 5th to Monroe. And, and how about the timeliness of our event? It's Thursday of the Masters. So, I mean, it's literally two weeks from yesterday, and, and the Masters is uh, the biggest golf tournament in the world. David, of course, has been a part of that many times. And, he, and Tiger Woods is back relevant. Phil Mickelson won a couple weeks ago. These are guys that David will talk about at the event, an evening with David Toms. Uh, he'll tell us stories. He'll take questions and answers. We'll have a great dinner. It's going to be over at Bayou de Sierra Country Club. It's open to the public, and, and tickets are available at lasportshall.com. That's lasportshall.com. You can buy individual tickets. You can buy tables. And it's real simple. There'll be like a, a cocktail hour from 6 to 7. Uh, you'll get a chance to not only meet David, take pictures with him. He's bringing uh, some of his his own artifacts and memorabilia, including the 2001 Wanamaker Trophy, with that beautiful trophy that he won at the PGA Championship event. You'll get a chance to take pictures with it. And him, uh, we'll hear from uh, some other Louisiana Sports Hall of Famers that will be in attendance. We're going to have a little stage in there in the dining room. Uh, we'll hear from Miss Louisiana. We'll perform her ventriloquist act, award-winning acts and stuff. And at the, at the end, we'll do a panel discussion with David, and myself on stage for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. He'll tell some stories. He'll he'll uh, he'll take questions at the end, and uh, it's going to be a fun event. And of course, the food will be fantastic as well. And that's Thursday, April the 5th, Bayou de Sierra Country Club. You got to get your tickets in advance. It's open to the public. Go to lasportshall.com. Ronnie, for a guy, an athlete who's been on the world stage, uh, David's probably one of the most unassuming athletes you would find. Correct. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. You know, we we did this type of event a year ago at Oakbourne Country Club in Lafayette, and it was a tremendous hit. Everybody had a great time, but he stuck around for, you know, 45 minutes an hour after just kind of holding court, telling stories, you know, for with about 20 people around having a drink, and, uh, and he, he enjoys it, um, you know, the, and, and, and very funny, you know, very, very funny guy, dry sense of humor, but he enjoys this type of setting and, and people that appreciate golf. Appreciate, and, and you don't even really necessarily have to be a big golf fan, per se. You just have to enjoy great stories and hearing from the best who have ever done it. I mean, David's the greatest golfer in the history of the state of Louisiana. You can take credit. This is a fantastic timing, the week of the Masters. Listeners out there that want tickets or want to be a part of this, what do they need to do? Yeah, just go to lasportshall.com. You can literally purchase tickets online, individual tables. Uh, it's got my phone number on there. If you have any questions, you can feel free to give me a call. But it's lasportshall.com. We do have about uh, six tables left, so uh, you know they'll they'll definitely will definitely be sold out. But go ahead and go ahead and get that done now. Uh, Ronnie, I'd be remiss not to ask you. Of course, uh, you were a big part of LSU baseball on that staff. 
uh, 91, 93, and they've done a lot of broadcasting work throughout the years. What do you make of uh, this year's Tiger squad? I think they're still uh, – you know, figuring out their sea legs, to be honest with you. And, 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 and I think they, they're very optimistic about, you know, April and May um, for a lot of reasons. One, they've yet to really click on all cylinders, but yet they're still still relevant and still a solid team. But they're without Josh Smith, who's their starting shortstop and one of their top four leaders on the team offensively and off the field. Uh, he's out with a, with a stress reaction in his lower back. Basically, that's just right before it becomes a stress fracture. He's had some pain down there, and that's a very touchy, you know, injury. You just don't know when you're going to be 100 percent healed, and when he'll be back. But they're playing without him. Uh, Jake Slaughter, of course, from up in your area, has yet to get going. He's hitting right around 200. It's been a slow start. He's kind of lost his job right now to Chris Reed, who's got an on-base percentage of around 500. So you know, Jake's going to have to work his way back in the lineup. But he's a guy who has to be a big part of the offense because he's one of the few guys that can run the ball out of the ballpark. So. They haven't gotten him going. Uh, Josh Smith's out with the injury, and he's one of their main guys. Um, and then even like Antoine Duplantis, who is a preseason all-conference, all-American type guy, he's gotten off to a slow start, hitting around 300. But he's, you know, low upper twos. But he's more he's capable of hitting 350 and, and, and being more consistent than he's doing. So they've, they, they've not gotten it going offensively to the level that they're capable of. And then on the mound, um, you know, Caleb Gilbert, who was going to be their Friday night guy, uh, who's now their Saturday guy, has been inconsistent. He's, he's got great stuff. He's the guy that was the hero of the semifinal game a year ago who beat Oregon State, who was number one in the country up in Omaha. And there was a lot of, you know, a lot of expectation coming into this year of Caleb Gilbert, but he's yet to get going. And um, uh, so, you know, they have a lot of room for growth. So right now, LSU's you know, rank 10 to 20, but I think they got a chance to, to be better uh, come May. Ryan, i got one other question related to LSU baseball, and, of course, I think we all agree that exposure that the game is now getting on a national level is fantastic. But back in the day, I mean, you played a huge part with television coverage with LSU. That was kind of taken out of your hands with the ESPN coming in. Uh, does that still chap your hide just a little bit, or is it better for the growth of baseball as a whole when they take it out of the hands of regional distributors? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Jumbo Sports Network, which I started back in 1998, we were a syndicator and did a lot of work uh, with, with Cox Sports Television, even when they came around. We still do a little bit, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, no question uh, uh, it's affected Jumbo Sports Network from an LSU standpoint, but definitely has been better for the game. I mean, every single game that LSU plays, every single one is available on the Watch ESPN app or on ESPN3.com. Uh, you know, and if it's not on there, then it's going to be, you know, on television or on some other format. So, uh, you know, it, it definitely has been better for the growth. I mean, my goodness, uh, the coverage of college baseball, not just LSU, but across the conference and everywhere else is, is amazing. I mean, you can sit at home and watch a Wichita State game on any given night or watch University of Texas or, it, it, or, or just go on your ESPN app and, and pull up any number of games from all over the country and some of the schools you don't even know where they are. So it, it definitely has been better. Jumbo Sports Network is still around. We still do some games with CST. We're doing a number of games with UL Lafayette. And we're actually, this coming Tuesday on Cox Sports Television, we're doing the Wally of Classic, which is the mm. LSU-UL Lafayette game each and every year down in New Orleans uh, You know, uh, for, to raise money for the Wally of Junior Foundation. 
Uh, and finally, uh, once again, an evening with David Toms. For listeners out there, what do they need to do, and, and when will this be? Because this will be a fantastic yeah. night out at Vegas here. Yeah, thanks for the time on this. Uh, Thursday, April the 5th, the night of the Masters, uh, perfect timing. David Toms will be in Monroe at Bayou de Sierra Country Club. It's absolutely open to the public, open to all ages and men and women. Um, it's going to be starting at 6 o'clock. It'll go till probably about 8.39, and it's called An Evening with David Toms. We'll have a, a three-course dinner, past appetizers, open bar, all that kind of stuff. But to culminate at the end, We'll have David on stage for about a 45-minute panel discussion to talk about his days, tell you some stories about Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods and playing the Masters and his thought on this year's event. And then at the end, he'll take some questions as well. Go to lasportshall.com to get your tickets or for any more questions. Ronnie, fantastic. Appreciate the time, man. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Ronnie Ray. CEO of Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame and, of course, uh, running this evening with David Toms. That'll get you fired up for the week of the Masters. Yeah, he had you at open bar, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, that should be fantastic. The timing of it couldn't be per- more perfect. They always say David Tom's Monroe native. I think he was just here for a short stint. Maybe hey, we'll, just born and then moved. We'll climb him. Yeah, exactly. We'll climb him. He's had a pretty dang good career. We'll climb him. Yeah, this should be fun. Uh, so get, if you get an opportunity, uh, head out to buy this year. Make sure you get your tickets early, though. Let's take a time out. 7 o'clock hour in the books. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Plenty to discuss. March Madness. We've got a little uh, pro days at Louisiana Tech and Grambling and uh, some other things that uh, cross our mind. Some, some mov- a movie game. Oh, yeah, the movie game. You keep trying to put that off. Aaron doesn't want to do it, but I'm going to force him to do it. We'll get to movies sooner rather than later. Uh, Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. with NFL Network now on the Westwood One Radio Network. The Giants have traded defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul along with the 2008 fourth-round pick to the Buccaneers. In exchange, New York gets a third and fourth-round pick this year. Trade clears $2.5 million off the Giants' salary cap this season. The Bucks will take over Pierre-Paul's $17.5 million cap number and his $11 million salary. Meantime, the Eagles have agreed to a one-year deal. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.